Hi there, welcome to Music Ally Focus with me, Joe Sparrow, Music Ally writer, and joined as ever by the one man music biz analysis machine, Stuart Dredge. Hi, Stu. Hello, hello. Music Ally and Stu provides an analysis rich guide to the biz, and that's what we're doing here on Focus as well, analyzing one of the most meaningful or interesting music business stories of the week. And this will be brief. It should take about the same time as it took in 79 AD for Vesuvius to erupt and kill everyone in Pompeii. So, um. <laughs> That's marvelously bleak. So it's true, the only way is up now uh, in terms of positivity. <laughs> so um, this is actually quite an interesting um, story in itself. Will Page, ex-chief economist of both Spotify and PRS for Music in the UK, um, has published something extremely interesting on the future of Twitch as a music service. What's, what has he said and what does it mean? Yeah, he has. So, I mean, Will Page, he's, he's someone we've known for a long time, Music Ally, and we've been covering his research. And he's always had these roles at companies, like, say, Purist Music Spotify, but he's also always put out data, analysing stuff. And his latest thing, which we should note, is, is commissioned by Twitch and they're giving him data. And that's very upfront up in it. It's part of mm. Twitch's kind of efforts to kind of put their case, I think, for being a positive factor in music, given all, some of the controversies going around licensing with them. But this is interesting because it's not just like a Twitch is brilliant study it's a proper study with original data and specifically the, the data that really got me interested was he's talked to six musicians who who, who live stream on twitch and he's got some pretty granular detail on 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 how much they earn and or how that income is distributed how it's divided up and how it's growing so it really is it's the best look we've had so far at how some musicians are actually making money on twitch and building their audiences as you said, Twitch have been pushing very hard to build interest and uh, engagement from musicians on Twitch. Obviously, it, Twitch is sort of feels um, instinctively home to certain types of music, electronic music, over others because of the sort of closeness to gaming. But there is some really interesting data here. And what, what was it that really stood out to you that you saw? Yeah, well, it was the artist case studies, really. And so uh, the other thing that's interesting is he's chosen three artists who really came through on Twitch and were making music on Twitch and then are coming, coming out of Twitch into the traditional streaming world. And three artists from the music industry who kind of went on to Twitch. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. It's not just about native Twitch musicians or about traditional musicians. It's kind of three of each. But yeah, it's stuff like, so for example, there's Laura Shigehara, who's... She's really well known. She did the Plants vs. Zombies game soundtrack. She made oh, yeah. her own game called Record, which is brilliant. Uh, and she does um, composition and recording. And it, there's a graph literally of how much she makes a month on uh, from music streaming and Twitch with, with dollar signs on the left. And you can sort of see that she's making 10 times more money on Twitch uh, mm. many months, uh, you know, as much as I think it goes up to about well, more than 14,000, the peak months um, of oh, revenue. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you can see, okay, this is someone who started on Twitch. This is where the bulk of their audience is. So she gets more than 200,000 viewers on Twitch compared to around um, 150,000 on streaming. So she's oh, reaching What kind of performances there. are these, Stu, for context? Well, she's kind of performing her own stuff. So she, she is a composer and artist. So she's kind of um, you know, giving them an insight into what she does uh, playing her music. So, um, so it's a sort of combination of her performing music, but also 
obviously on Twitch, it's really important that you have this sort of interaction with fans as well. So she's talking to them, explaining things, and performing, and providing. Yeah, and whole... she also has a, a she has she has one foot in that gaming world with the games she's made, and the, so you know it's, it's, she's like, in many ways the perfect musician for Twitch because it's come it's a gaming culture. There's a, there's a oh I don't have to say this it's terrible on a podcast. Aces A E S E A E S who are this duo from Austin, Texas. I call them Travis and Ali, because that's their names. Um, they're they're a married right. couple. Um, but they have this, they broadcast on Twitch twice a week um, with a performance, but they also have a cat. And apparently the cat has become this star and it's got it's got its own screen on the broadcast so you can watch the cat doing right. stuff. You see, we've talked um, a lot about how musicians have to be something more than just musicians now. And it's clear yeah. that what you actually have to be is a cat. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of an internet perennial, isn't it? Um, but what they've got in this study is, is they haven't got, they haven't, they've shared their, the, like a, what's it called? A donut chart, isn't it? I think where it shows you which, what percentage of their revenues come from different places on Twitch. So, so they earn, for example, 46% from subscriptions and bits and cheers on Twitch. Hmm. Um, they use another service to do live song requests and nearly a quarter of the revenues come from that. They get 17% of their revenue from Patreon and Kickstarter. So they use both, which is other interesting thing. You know, they use Patreon to fund their cover songs and they use Kickstarter to raise money for their original work. And then music streaming and Bandcamp is 6% of their revenues, which is right. kind of interesting. You know, they're, 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 doing a, they're, they're doing good business. They're kind of a sustainable career, but only 6% of that is coming from streaming. Whereas I'm adding it up on the fly here. It's uh, 70, 70% from kind of Twitch and then 70% right. and- from Bellevue. And so that bulk of their income is coming from director fan engagement and relationships and sort of communication and in, in involvement, engagement from those fans. Yeah, definitely. And then you've got people like, so there's Matt Heafy, who is from the metal band Trivium, and you've got MXM Tune, which again, I was one of those names I'm worried about saying in case it's Mzm Tune and the kids yeah. will laugh at me. Maya, <laughs> as her name is. Um, who's someone we actually had on our we had on our conference That's right, yeah. talking about things. Um, and again, th- these are kind of case studies more of musicians who are, you know, building on his tradition. And it, it's it's just very interesting. It, it, I think for, for Matt Heafy, there's a graph showing, again, dollar amounts, revenues, comparing his music streaming income from his Twitch income. Uh, and for Maya, there's kind of a, a, a tracing her social reach, showing how Twitch is kind of growing compared to other things. Um, so it is a really, I just think it's a very interesting look at the ecosystem of Twitch and music and how it works. And I think all these things, we, we it always takes a long time to get sometimes to the figures. Like if you think about Spotify recently launched its website, yes. didn't it, of, uh, of Loud and Clear, of Streamware. It's taken us 10 years to get to the point where we're, we're talking about earnings in this kind of sense. Yeah. Um, whereas live streaming, which is con- still controversial for licensing, there's still rights holders shouting at Twitch. Uh, uh, not doing that but we're getting to that point now where some of this data is coming out um i actually talked to will uh, about this ahead of head of the publishing on piece and talking and one of the things he's really keen on talking about is the fact that a lot of the discourse around streaming royalties is around the money that gets paid out by the services so it's all about how much does spotify pay out per stream um and what he's trying to get to here is how much money are the creators actually earning? So mm. he's got, a, and that's again interesting. You know, if we talk about stream royalties in terms of what the royalty check that lands on your doorstep is as a musician, rather than what the payouts are before labels, before publishers, and so on, 
Whereas here, this is very much creative earnings. It's like how much are they how much are they taking in before tax? Obviously, isn't it? yes. And this is a really interesting thing, isn't it? Because obviously on Twitch, the um, the earning part is oh is very overt, isn't it? You you can see when people are uh, tipping and gifting mm. in the in the chat next to the the video, and uh, creators on Twitch are not they don't have that sort of the traditional reticence that you see in the music business of saying, hey, pay me, you know, which a lot of musicians are still feeling feel a little bit awkward uh, around, although I'm, mm. I'm sure that is changing. So Twitch is quite interesting in that the whole platform is based around, hey, pay me, and uh, you get something in return, isn't it? And w- one of the interesting things that Will has uh, mentioned in this um, report is about, oh, I thought at least was, that first of all, there's a direct line to fans between creator and fan, and that line itself is monetizable. So it's almost designed to bring in little bits of money as you do things for what you do, which, of course, as you said, is very different to the traditional um, way that money is being generated. And the the other thing I thought was very interesting was that he sort of reconnected this to that quite old now idea of a thousand super fans you know that first mm. thousand fans which are ones that you can monetize and take with you for your whole career and they're all the ones that will support you and make you successful and you can earn a living and it's it, it, he sort of talks about it as a creation of a streaming middle class so it's and, and that is something we sort of touched on in the last podcast about paying for podcasting as well where you you get a, a small number of fans to to pay you a, a reasonable amount of money to listen to podcasts well it's 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 again this is another part of that isn't it where and you can sort of see a structure now forming where you have a um if you like i hate to use the lower middle and upper class analogy but he started so let's continue you could have the lower class of people who stream your music on an all you can eat uh, streaming platform and then you have a middle class which engage more closely and, and tip and gift and do things like that in exchange for um, performances or podcasts or other services and then you could have the whales the, the upper class at the top which give huge amounts of money because they're super duper fans that is suddenly we've we've gone from having sort of just that first option to having a whole suite of options much like there is on twitch itself haven't we I think so. And one of the things Will was talking about when I, when I interviewed him was the, the idea that, that Twitch doesn't appear to be cannibalizing music streaming. And in fact, arguably, they do, do grow in lockstep because as you do stuff on Twitch, you've an engaged audience there, your streams grow too. So th- that's one interesting it's like a, it's, it's very much additive. It's not cannibalizing your streaming. And the way he described the movie was interesting. He was like, he, he was talking about the idea of Twitch is something that you don't earn any money unless you're broadcasting. So, mm. and he described it as like being at the wheel of a taxi. Like if you're not driving, the meter's not running. If you're not, if you don't have a customer, if you're not driving the taxi, you're not earning any money. Whereas streaming, you can go to bed, wake up in the morning, you've done two million streams, and you've earned money overnight. If that makes sense. Whereas on Twitch, that sort of takes some of that pressure away, which artists have felt, or, or particularly Twitch streamers have felt, that they have to be broadcasting every day for a number of hours, otherwise they're they're not well, making money the and thinking. leaving them exhausted, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's also cautionary as well, though. Like, as an artist, you can't just go onto Twitch, assume loads of your fans will watch and make loads of money by broadcasting mm. once a week. Like, it really is, like, the, the and this is, other studies have shown this, you know, success on Twitch is about regular scheduled broadcasting, putting the hours in, um, which is something I'm interested to see what happens when live music comes back. Because I think mm. if artists are going, yeah, I'm going to live stream on Twitch three times a week, how do you fit that around 
touring. I don't, it's not saying you can't do it, but it's going to involve some, some planning and work. Because I think what we were saying is like during the lockdown, people, artists have gone to Twitch and gone, right, I can live stream, this is going to be my replacement. And so what's, what they need to figure out next is, right, how does this fit with the touring plan? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that came out this strongly for me, um, and this is where we kind of step back and say, okay, this is, this is an independent study by Will that's interesting, but also it's obviously part of Twitch's campaign really to kind of say, look, we can be valuable to the music industry, mm. which doesn't make it this interesting. But what it shows to me is that Twitch can be an incredible platform for musicians. It can be really valuable in terms of the fan engagement, but also the money they can make. But that's why I really want to see the licensing stuff sorted out. And this is one of those stories where, you know, people are shouting in the music industry. Are they, is it fair? Are they right? Who needs to be licensed? And Will does touch on that in his study. He sort of talks about the fact that it's about, about uh, collecting society licenses. Labels don't really need to license this unless it's a DJ playing recorded music or unless an artist has a 360 deal. So this is really about publishers and collecting societies. If that stuff can be sorted so that those people are not shouting at Twitch, those people have licensing deals, then I think Twitch could do even more with music. Like I think often mm. when companies in dispute with the music industry in this way, it holds it back in doing even more with music because the more it does with music, the more potential pitfalls there are of licensing and legals. So reading this study, didn't just make me think Twitch is brilliant. Everyone stopped shouting them. It made me think, I really hope the licensing things do get sorted and soon because there's clearly lots to build on here. And if Twitch didn't have to worry about, are we fully licensed for everything? It could be doing even more. So that's what my hope yes. is. And that is, yeah, Twitch is, it's, it's something different. It's not cannibalistic. It's, you can make decent money there if you do it well. And I think, for artists that are struggling in other ways, Twitch, for many of those, something like Twitch and other live stream platforms with these kind of mechanics could be part of the solution, you know? Yes, I, that, that's what I took away from it as well, which is, like I said before, there's this sort of now a much clearer route to um, income generation through all these different ways. And the infrastructure is there. And also fans are suddenly very, very au fait with the how those spaces work what the expectations of their role is in in there you know the, the tipping isn't just it doesn't feel like a chore in uh, in these apps it feels like part of the fun and you get something in return and all of a sudden we've got this really interesting new space where and i would be interested to see what the future outcome of this is because if artists for instance can look at these examples and say hey i can actually make the bulk of my money from um sort of these uh, personalized interactions through all these, you know, a variety of different platforms. Um, maybe I can hesitate a little bit before I sign the deals that have been traditional or I can leave some options on the table while I pursue this path and take them up later. And it, it, it just makes, it changes the dynamic and how people can operate, doesn't it? It will be interesting to see what happens when we have more musicians from a non-Twitch background for instance like musicians who have nothing to do with gaming um and musicians who perhaps don't appeal to the gaming crowd at all how they work in these spaces and i, I wonder if when one of those artists suddenly picks up and catches on those platforms if we suddenly see a bit of a, a step change in how people go about it yeah i mean the other thing that, that came out that i was talking about is, is yeah figuring out how to do it as well and what people are interested in so 
one of the things that Will thinks is very exciting is that on Twitch, you can just do the things you're already doing. So mm. as a musician, you could, you could be doing your songwriting process and you could just be broadcasting that to fans. Now, I think that, that for a lot of musicians will be like, I know that it's a private thing. I don't want to mm. have 10,000 people watching me and giving me suggestions on my song. So that there's there's some problems there. But yeah, it, 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 you know, if you're, if you're backstage on a tour, how can you turn that into an interesting stream? So I think it's going to be, like you say, musicians coming in from this, this non-Twitch background, it's figuring out what can they do that's, that's interesting and how can that fit in? And yeah, I'm kind of, I'm still figuring it out, really. I mean, like you say, like, do, do we want to watch three hours of a band backstage before a gig? I mean, it's not traditionally mm. a super interesting time. They're just really sitting no. around waiting for sound check. And the the idea of it is much more interesting uh, if you're not in there than if you're actually in there, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you've got to keep some of that mystique. Yeah. Well, that's why they could be like, hey, we're bored too. You know, we're going to spend an hour answering fans' questions on, on well, Yeah, Twitch yeah, and it's, know, it's a virtual meet and greet and Q&A, isn't mm-hmm. it? So it could be, you could actually be making money in that time instead of picking your nose and drinking a warm beer. Uh, or, or maybe we just have like a, a whole series of... Um, when the Beatles famously recorded themselves trying to record an album, uh, was it Get Back? And it was aborted after about a week because they just fell out and it was miserable and they hated being filmed all the time. Maybe we'll see that ad infinitum across the indie space. Bands breaking apart literally on... on, on like, Live on Twitch. Yeah. And the, the yeah. more angry the argument gets, the more money they make. And, you know, maybe there is something there. But I think I think the podcast comparison that you mentioned is, is apt, really. Like, I think we, we talk about Twitch as an opportunity. We talk about podcasts as an opportunity. But it really is... One, it's about how do you fit this in? Because really, you can't just do three thing, three episodes of either and then give up, you know. Yeah. But also, it's about what... Yeah, what is interesting? Like, what is interesting for your fans to spend an hour... Or half an hour even listening to you streaming you um and that's where you'll have some artists who'll be brilliant at that coming up with the thing that's interesting you have other artists that aren't interesting at all and the more time their fans yeah. spend with them the bit. so yeah i think that's that's the other thing is is it's really a creative challenge of there are these new platforms new ways of engaging with fans i hate spurbling blurb like this these new kind of things you can do yeah. Um, but you've got to be as creative as you are with your music about well, what will make this interesting and what will make it valuable. To, to which is which is a good thing, isn't it? Because if there's one thing that musicians and artists and performers like, it's a creative challenge. And, and essentially, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're being told that you know your creativity can. You know, here's here's the options for you. Here are the platforms. Go at it, and you know your fans, and do something that they will like, and you, they will reward you. And that is in itself a, a, a really exciting thing. And we we sort of don't know what we're going to get yet. And that is that is the um the sort of uh, the the thrilling aspect of it, isn't it? Thanks, Stu. And uh, looking oh, we'll link of course as well to the interview you've done with Will, um, and you, you can read that um as well. So if you out there found that useful and inspiring, and want more of Stu's in depth trusted analysis uh, landing in your inbox every morning. Uh, you can head on over to musically.com forward slash subscribe uh, to uh, get access to that. Indie labels, artist managers or publishers might be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions as well and our free weekly email, The Knowledge, which rounds up um, a bit of everything that's happening in the Music Ally world and is packed with information, uh, is free and is out every Friday. You can sign up around this podcast as well. So uh, that's it for me, Joe Sparrow, and uh, thank you as ever, Stuart Dredge, Music Ally editor. That's it from us. See you soon.